This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where there's been another spike in COVID-19 fatalities. The health department reported 150 additional fatalities Tuesday. That raises the state's death toll to 12,946. The health department also reported more than 3,100 newly confirmed cases of coronavirus. The total number of infections since the start of the pandemic is just shy of 669,000 in Florida. The governor expands the state of emergency for Hurricane Sally. It had been limited to the western end of the panhandle. Now the emergency zone includes everything from Pensacola to just west of Tallahassee. Speaking of storms, the Public Service Commission signs off on a deal to compensate Gulf Power for all the money they spent rebuilding their system after Hurricane Michael tore through the panhandle almost two years ago. It's really very straightforward. The settlement provides for a $5 million reduction in the amount recoverable by Gulf through the storm recovery mechanism. Don't feel too bad for the power company. They're still getting almost 290 million buckaroos. Yeah, life is grand when the state guarantees your profit and your rate of return. The first votes for the general election have been cast in Florida, all 42 of them. These were the first of the mail-in ballots reported to the state elections office. Joe Biden brings his presidential campaign to the Sunshine State, hosting a roundtable in Tampa to talk about our service members and our president. Nowhere are his faults more glaring and more offensive, to me at least, than when it comes to his denigration of our service members, veterans, wounded warriors, the fallen. You'll hear more of Biden's thoughts on the military and Donald Trump later in the podcast on the Sunrise Soapbox. We'll also have your calendar of political events and check in with a Florida man who was shot in the face after complaining about how long it was taking to get his smoothie. Plus, we'll have the story of three Florida teens who could become Florida men. It all really depends on prosecutors if they decide to try them as adults. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Wednesday, September 15th. State health officials report 150 more Floridians have died from COVID-19, and the death toll has reached 12,946. That was as of Tuesday. Over the past week, an average of 125 deaths were reported each day. The state has also reported 3,116 newly confirmed cases of COVID-19. That raises the total to almost 669,000. More than 41,000 Floridians have been hospitalized for coronavirus during the pandemic, and more than 5 million Floridians have been tested for COVID-19. Governor Ron DeSantis expands his state of emergency for Hurricane Sally. The original declaration covered Escambia and Santa Rosa. Those are the westernmost counties in the panhandle. He's now added 11 more. Bay, Calhoun, Franklin, Gadsden, Gulf, Holmes, Jackson, Liberty, Okaloosa, Walton, and Washington counties. The big concern, of course, is rain, starting with the stuff that falls in Florida and also the stuff that falls in Alabama and Georgia and then flows south right back to Florida. State Fire Marshal Jimmy Petronas says two urban search and rescue teams will deploy to the Panhandle tomorrow. Those teams, staffed by approximately 100 fire service members, will provide search and rescue, emergency medical care, and damage reconnaissance. Utility customers in the Panhandle will be getting a slight break on their power bills now that the Public Service Commission has approved a settlement with Gulf Power over the cost of rebuilding the grid after Hurricane Michael. The Cat 5 hurricane slammed into Panama City back in October of 2018, obliterating trees and power poles as it barreled its way into Georgia. Gulf Power says it needed nearly 8,000 workers to help rebuild the system, and early last year they estimated the storm-related expenses at $342 million. In November, that estimate was reduced to $295 million. And Russell Batters with Gulf Power told the PSC they've agreed to reduce it by another $5 million. They've also promised to do a better job keeping track of storm-related expenses. The settlement has two main parts. The first addresses financial terms, and the second addresses process provisions. 
So turning to the, the financial terms, it's really very straightforward. The settlement provides for a $5 million reduction in the amount recoverable by Gull through the storm recovery mechanism. It also defines how we will calculate interest on the, on the unamortized reserve balance. The second part of the settlement provides for certain process provisions. These provisions are geared towards data collection and minimizing contractor costs in the future. Gulf submits that the settlement represents a reasonable compromise in this proceeding. Considered as a whole, the settlement fairly and reasonably balances the interests of customers and the company. The settlement was negotiated by the Public Council, an agency that represents consumers at the PSC. Thomas David is an attorney for the Public Council's office, and he urged the Commission to sign off on the deal. Through the critical review of all of this information, we were able to uh, confidently assess whether the settlement terms are in the best interest of the customers we represent. We believe they are. Uh, not to be redundant, but I, I do want to stress again uh, a couple of the uh, provisions that Mr. Uh, Batters mentioned. Uh, first, the $5 million reduction in the recovery requested by Gold will provide an immediate benefit to customers, while the process improvement uh, mentioned will uh, the Gulf will implement before the 2021 storm season will ensure the benefits from the settlement continue for customers well into the future. Because of the well-thought-out terms of the settlement, including the ones we've highlighted, OPC believes the Commission should find this settlement in the public interest and approve the settlement. The settlement was approved by the PSC with almost no discussion. Gulf Power customers have already been paying a surcharge for hurricane damage. It works out to about $8 a month for every 1,000 kilowatt hours. That fee will not be going down, but it won't last quite as long. Instead of paying the Hurricane Michael surcharge for five years, it will only last four and a half years. It's a good thing they're not up for re-election right now because Florida's top Republicans are all underwater in a new survey from Monmouth University. 38% of the people approve of the job Ron DeSantis is doing as governor. 39% do not. That gives him a negative one. Senator Marco Rubio was also at minus one with 37% favorable, 38% unfavorable. And then there is Senator Rick Scott at minus 15. The split is 31 to 46. My colleague Renzo Downey with Florida Politics reports two other polls from NBC and Florida Atlantic both had the governor breaking even with favorables matching unfavorables. The election is almost seven weeks away, but the first votes have already been cast in Florida. On Tuesday, the State Division of Elections reported 42 vote-by-mail ballots had been returned, most from Flagler and Monroe counties. 19 were from Democrats, 17 from Republicans, one from a third-party voter, and five were NPAs, voters with no party affiliation. There will be many more. Officials at the Division of Elections say more than 4 million of the state's 14 million registered voters have requested vote-by-mail ballots for the general election. As long as we're talking elections, it's time once again for the Sunrise Soapbox. Our guest today is former vice president and current Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden, who came to Florida to talk about respecting the military and the people who serve. That's next after a word from the sponsors. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we're much obliged. Predict It is like the stock market for all things politics. Instead of trading stock in companies, you're investing money into your opinions on everything from election results to how many times President Trump will tweet this week. It's easy and only costs a few bucks to get started. Our podcast listeners can get a special introductory offer by visiting predictit.org slash promo slash F-L-A-P-O-L. Try it today. Welcome back to Sunrise. Joe Biden came to Tampa Tuesday for a roundtable discussion with veterans about what it means to serve in the armed forces and what it means to serve in general. 
Being a politician, he went on for a while. So here is the Cliff Notes version on the Sunrise Soapbox. Less than 1% of the population of our country chooses to serve our country in the military. Less than 1% risk everything to defend our nation, our values, and everything we hold dear. And the other 99% of us, we owe them. We owe them our thanks, our gratitude, and our respect. In my view, based on reports and interviews, President Trump has proven he's unfit to hold the office of the presidency time again, but nowhere are his faults more glaring and more offensive, to me at least, than when it comes to his denigration of our service members, veterans, wounded warriors, the fallen. Quite frankly, uh, I won't say good anger, quite frankly, it makes me uh, very upset the way he gets in front of a camera and crows about how much he has done for veterans and then turns around and insults our service members and fallen heroes when the camera's off. Calls them suckers and losers. My son, Bo, was a U.S. attorney, volunteered to go six months to Kosovo to help them set up a criminal justice system. He did such a good job there, Kosovo government named a highway after him, erected a war memorial. And then he had to get an exemption because he's attorney general of the state of Delaware to go with his unit to Iraq. And he went for a year in Iraq, came home with a bronze star. He's gone now, but he was no sucker. He was a man like many of the people he served with, women and men who served with him, served in a way that they should be honored as heroes, not in some derogatory way. They didn't come home losers. They came home heroes. And I think it's an absolute disgrace. Donald Trump has no idea about the uh, ideas that animate women and men who sign up to serve. Duty, honor, country. That's what service and patriotism is all about. Duty, honor, country. It was reported from a very reliable source and confirmed by many major outlets that he said to a fallen father, a member of the service, the, fa the father of a fallen soldier, who was himself was a member of the service, while he's standing by the gravesite, he allegedly said, I don't get it. What was in it? for them. Our military is the greatest fighting force in the history of the world, and that's not hyperbole. It's a, the God's truth. Deserves a commander-in-chief who respects their sacrifice, understands their service, and will never betray the values they defend. They deserve better than goes on now with their commander-in-chief. And if I have the honor of ever serving as the next commander-in-chief, I want every single member of the armed forces, our veterans, their families, their caregivers, and their survivors to know, I will never treat you with anything other than the honor and respect and dignity you deserve. I'll always have your back, like you've had our back, the country's back. Thank you all, and may God protect our troops. Thank you. This was Biden's first campaign stop in Florida since the start of the pandemic. The Miami Herald is apologizing to its readers for what it calls inflammatory, racist, and anti-Semitic commentary included as an insert in the Spanish-language edition of the Miami Herald. 
Libre is a Spanish-language publication that paid the Herald to have its product printed and inserted in the print edition as a weekly supplement. On Friday, a reader complained to the Herald about what the paper calls an incredibly offensive column published in Libre. Editors spent the weekend reviewing past issues and say they were appalled to discover multiple instances of anti-Semitic and racist commentary all the way back to January, content that had never been vetted by the newsroom and would never meet the editorial standards of the Herald. Management admits they screwed up, they've severed ties with Libre and have launched an internal investigation to find out how it happened. They've also started reviewing all the other paid inserts in the newspaper. Your calendar of events begins at 845 as the foundation of Associated Industries of Florida, the Florida Department of Economic Opportunity, Florida Makes, and the Workers' Compensation Institute begin a two-day online forum about cybersecurity. Among the speakers, Senator Marco Rubio and the State Insurance Commissioner, David Altmeyer. Aides to the governor, the attorney general, the agriculture commissioner, and the chief financial officer meet at 9 to talk about the agenda for the cabinet meeting scheduled for next week. We're not sure that's actually happening because the governor keeps canceling cabinet meetings during the COVID crisis. But for now, the meeting is on. The Florida Citrus Commission meets at 9 to review a $10 million domestic marketing plan using e-commerce to push OJ sales. The State University System Board of Governors is holding committee meetings beginning at 9 at the University of South Florida in Tampa. That's followed by a meeting of the full board at 4.15. The Florida Commission on Offender Review meets by conference call at 9. The Florida Defense Alliance meets online at 9. The State Reemployment Assistance Appeals Commission meets at 9.30. The Office of Insurance Regulation holds an online hearing at 10 about a proposal by First Community Insurance to raise homeowner rates. Palm Beach County State Attorney Dave Ehrenberg will speak during an online meeting at the Flagler Tiger Bay Club at 12.15. The Florida Department of State is holding an online election supervisors workshop at 2 to talk about issues like voting by mail and voter access technology. And finally today, it's time for an update on Florida Man and three underage understudies. A Florida man was shot in the face while complaining about slow service at a tropical smoothie shop in Fort Pierce. Police say the 39-year-old Miami man was complaining about the length of time it was taking for his order when a masked gunman entered the business, confronted the customer, and shot him. The victim is in serious condition but is recovering. Police are still looking for the gunman. And three Florida teens are busted by an eye in the sky and a camera on the door. A pilot with the Seminole County Sheriff's helicopter was airborne at 2 a.m. when the ring camera at his home sent an alert. The video showed two suspects checking handles on vehicles while an SUV followed them through the neighborhood. The pilot notified deputies and then tracked down the suspect's vehicle from the sky. Three juveniles between the ages of 14 and 17 were apprehended. They're also suspected in a series of car break-ins in Deltona. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics. Music